<laughs> Speaking of winning games uh, here for the Richmond Spiders, uh, Luca, me and Nick sort of just have to ask you, like, what are your thoughts on <laughs> Richmond Spiders by default being Big Ten champs since we beat uh, Wisconsin <laughs> up in New York? <laughs> <laughs> Yo, welcome back everybody to episode six of the Big Card Podcast. I'm one third of the group. I'm Nick Sherrod. I'm joined by Grant and Bryce. How y'all boys doing today? Good, man. What's going on with y'all? Everything good. Another week down at Richmond in the bubble. Just had our first team workout. Um, so we're advancing here. Uh, we got a big time guest for y'all today. Mr. Player of the Year in college basketball. A uh, good friend of ours, Luca Garza. Luca, how are we doing today? Doing great. I'm just blessed to be here. So you just told us uh, you're back home now, um, but you were out at school for a little bit. Uh, how was it out there? It sounds like it didn't go so hot for you guys. Yeah, it was a little bit different. You know, obviously we had a lot of protocols and a lot of testing going on. And as soon as we got to campus, um, you know, the football team, you know, re really was struggling with a lot of cases and there was a huge outbreak in Iowa City, and then it didn't really affect the basketball team until late July, and then we ended up shutting down workouts, and, and everybody was in quarantine. And so I didn't get home to like mid-August, just because uh, you know that's how long the quarantine took, because it's you know obviously two weeks after you're exposed, so it was it was a long time for us. So you know it was definitely really weird, um, but you know I hopefully we can figure it out now, even though workouts got paused again last week. <laughs> Because Iowa, Iowa City is actually having the worst outbreak in the world. Like, it's really, like, one of the bad, worst areas. And, um, yeah, so we're trying to figure it out. Yeah. So, like, you talked about, like, being back at home. How's the summer been for you? I know, like, you had, like, draft stuff going on and all that stuff. Which, and then being back on campus. How's, I know it's been, like, a whirlwind summer for you. Want to talk a little bit about how that's all been? Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely been a crazy summer, obviously. Draft process took way longer than expected. You know, I was you know supposed to be decided by June, and then I ended up not making a decision until August. Um, so it was a long time, and and so I got to really think about it and make the right decision. I feel still very confident and excited with what I decided to do and, and come back and you know kind of finish my career off. Um, so I, I definitely made the right move, but it was you know a whirlwind of emotions. You know, not knowing what was going to happen, and you know not worrying about if there was going to be a season. Um, you know, if I came back, you know it was. There was a lot of concerns at different points, but you know, I ended up making the right choice. Now, were you able to were you able to actually go and do some workouts, or I mean, I know teams were struggling with that, and they weren't allowed to really have people for the longest time, and then sort of like at the last second, as people were um, deciding to go back to school, some teams were having uh, individual workouts. Were you able to do anything, or no? No, I wasn't able to do any of them. You know, it was all just like this on Zoom. And I, I did a, about, I think, seven uh, NBA Zoom meetings where it was just kind of me in front of the whole front office. And they were just kind of asking me questions, getting to know me and, you know, uh, and just figuring out, like, you know, what I've been working on and just kind of telling me what I need to work on to be able to you know, be successful at that level. So uh, that was pretty much all I got. You know, I was, I was invited to the NBA Combine, but there wasn't an NBA Combine. So it was just... You know, it was a lot of stuff, you know, in a different process, I probably would have had a lot of workouts and, um, you know, been able to go through a kind of different process. But, you know, it, it all worked out at the end of the day. And, you know, I feel like some front offices got to, you know, talk to me. And I feel like that's somewhere I excel at just socially and being able to you know, 
express my knowledge of the game. And, um, and I think a lot of teams recognize that. Definitely, Luca. And obviously, uh, everyone's decision to coming back to school is different. Um, you know, people come back for different reasons, different circumstances. So what kind of went into your, your process of, of deciding to come back to school? Yeah, so I think, you know, the, the teams that like me this year, um, you know, I feel confident that they're, they're going to like me next year. And I think that was a big thing for me. And I know, you know, a lot of people didn't think, you know, what else can you do in college? It was like a question that I was asked a lot. And, and for me, I feel like there's a lot more on the table that I can, uh, you know, achieve. And I think especially team-oriented goals and, and just, you know, the team we could have coming back. Um, and that was probably the biggest factor, just, you know, being a preseason top five national team, you know, that's something that, you know, I've never been on in my entire career. Um, so, you know, that was, that was just, you know, an opportunity I didn't feel like I could pass up. And, um, you know, obviously with it being a different process, I think that also helped too, because, you know, I feel like if I had workouts, I uh, maybe would have garnered a little bit more interest from a couple of different teams. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm excited to come back and I've been working out a lot and working on my game. So I'm excited to show, you know, NBA scouts what I've been doing and, and, and hopefully, you know, jump up in, in the trap boards next year. So like everybody naturally knew you were a pretty good player. And then you're from your sophomore to junior season, you made like a super big jump. Mm-hmm. What, what, what kind of went into that for you? Like how, did, like how did your mindset change? And like, how, like, what was that all like for you to go from like a good player to like, like the top player in the country? Yeah, I mean, it was, honestly, it was crazy. Um, you know, as soon as Tyler decided to leave um, and, and not come back to school, I think that was the kind of the first step where I kind of became the guy and coach kind of sat me down in a meeting and just told me, like, the offense was now going to come through me, which was, you know, obviously the first time that that had happened in college. So, you know, I was excited and ready for it. But then, you know, I had a long summer and I was able to, you know, work out a lot and work on my game with my dad and my coaches and just, you know, other family I have. And, um, you know, after a long summer of working out, I felt really prepared going into this season. And, um, you know, I kind of flipped the switch mentally in terms of, you know, uh, letting go of some of the, you know, the anxiety of performance, you know, that I had struggled with a little bit earlier in my career. And I think I did that with meditation and, you know, a lot of different stuff. But, you know, I, I was able to get through that and uh, be able to – because I just wanted to be consistent every night and just come out with the same energy and be able to play as good as I could. Um, at every, you know, outing. And so, you know, I think I was able to do that this year and, and show that I was, you know, a consistent guy that every night I was going to come out and, and then do what I could to help the team win. So I think there was a lot of things. And, you know, obviously, you know, going to my sophomore year, about two months before the season started, I had a surgery, you know, that put me out for a month and, and I, I barely made it, you know, recovered in time to be able to play. And, you know, thank God I did. And I was able to play the whole season. So I feel like it was, a, a you know, my work that I had done before that kind of was just kind of cut out because I was you know, out for a month. So I think it was different going to the season, just fully prepared. Yeah, definitely. I know all of us here have had, had injuries and surgeries and things along that nature that kept us out of the game for a while. And I just want to know you going through that adversity, coming back from it, if that, do you think that benefited you in the long run, especially to where you are now for sure? Yeah, no, definitely. You know, obviously it was, you know, a crazy experience because it wasn't like a typical injury. You know, you're finding out you have a cyst the size of a, you know, collegiate volleyball in your stomach. You know, it's kind of a weird thing to hear. And uh, to go have to go through like a five-hour surgery and be able to make it back on the court in like a month and a half is, you know, just, you know, humbling and, 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 a, and, a, and just crazy in general. So I think for me, I learned a lot from that process. Um, I think I learned more about taking care of my body 
making sure I went to all my trainers and, and doctors about if I had any pain or anything like that. So you know, I, I could prevent, you know, it escalating that far. So um, I definitely learned a lot through that and just pushing through that adversity um, is something that, you know, strengthened me as a player and as a person. Yeah. So t- taking it back a little bit, I know you and G were in the same high school conference. <laughs> you guys want to talk a little bit about those matchups? I, I don't know much about them. There was a lot of good matchups against both of them. You know, they right. had both of them, and we didn't, you know, have another big. So, you know, at at first, so it was it was tough, but you know, it was a lot of fun. We had some really really good matchups. I think my junior year, they knocked us out of the the, the playoffs. I was just talking to Jordan Bartlett about that at the, at the gym the other day. Ah. Um, but the other years, I think, you know, besides that year, we were able to take care of them you know, most of the time. Sure. <laughs> For sure. I also I got bailed out on the defensive end because I had Bryce running around down there for me. So I was, yeah. You know, when that, when matchups were on the board before the game, we're like, Bryce, you got him, you got him. Yeah. <laughs> but nah, it was, it was like they were, Bryce would set a ball screen for Grant, and Grant would come off and pull up for three, and I'm like, what are we supposed to do to guard that? Like, we got yeah. another big. We switch one guy. Like he's got to like. I was like, yeah, we were we were in trouble. The people That's why I tried to tell these boys. I said I used to be good at basketball. Like I used to be able to do some stuff. I've changed now. It's like, ah, but I used to be able to do stuff like that. People think that this big car, the big guard, came out of nowhere. Now it, it, it's been in the blueprints for a while now. Yeah, no, that's, for a while. they were both shooting three. You know, they were both everywhere on the court, and their coach put them in a lot of good positions. And you know, they were. You know, if they had had Grant, I think his junior year when they had J. Rob too, that would have been kind of scary. I think Grant was hurt that year and, uh, you know, we were able to beat them a couple of times, but, you know. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. Do, uh, do you still stay in touch with your guys from, from Array and everything? Yeah, definitely. You know, we got a couple of people, you know, one kid that was playing at Yale um, and then we got two other kids that are, you know, playing football at Wake Forest actually and, um, you know, a lot of other them just going to school, but, you know, they're all doing well and, you know, I definitely try to stay in touch as much as I can. For sure. For sure. Yeah, we uh we actually were lucky enough to have Jelani on, another Mac alum. Uh what was it, two episodes ago now? One yeah. episode ago? Mm-hmm. Two episodes ago. So he was great. Um, but yeah, definitely cool to see everybody doing their own thing and obviously having a lot of success yeah, um, sure. in their yeah. own personal way. Look at Sadiq too, he's about to be a lottery pick from our league. It's it's kinda of crazy in, in the- and that yeah. one's really crazy. That one because like he wasn't he like he just shot up, like he just grew out of nowhere. Yeah, he was small his freshman year and I was I didn't really think anything of him and then he just kinda by the time he was his senior year, he was he was an issue and, and they beat us in the championship. But yeah, I know he was he's that one that one's definitely crazy. And you even look before kind of my freshman year when OB and Achonia was there, we just had a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of good players. You know, obviously Justin Robinson too, uh, and Josh Hart. You know, there's been a lot of good players from our league that doing well. You hear that? You hear that, Nick? So when Mooney be saying that we be playing in these these uh school of midgets leagues and all this stuff, that's that's not the case. We had dogs out there. There was nobody in the gym. There would be like ten fans, but it was, it was yeah, yeah, high level and basketball. Oh, also class. playing at like five o'clock in yeah. the afternoon, so everyone could get their schoolwork done. Especially like my school was like you know all academic, um, but yeah, no, it was nobody in the stands. Nah, that's definitely. wild. I didn't know you. I didn't know y'all's league was like that. Yeah. The MAC is the most slept on league in the DMV. 
That's what I'm saying. We, you know, we, we, we fall into the shadows of, of the WCAC a lot, but yeah, a lot of good hoopers have come out of the MAC. I can't speak on it now too much, but and during our time, there was a lot of good players running around there. Yeah. How much have Luca? How much has your game game changed from then to now? I think it's changed a lot. I think I've you know developed a lot more athletically. I, I think I've been able to improve in that way a lot, just being able to move better. Um, but you know, in high school, I used to shoot the three a lot and score in the post. So you know, I just continue to work on both of those things. And I I think over the years I've become you know better and better in the post and been able to score. But it's just you know a little bit different when you get to college and you're facing double teams and that. You know, and it's a little bit different in high school, but I, I think over the years I've just, you know, um, you know, improved in some way each year, and that's just kind of been my goal. Every time I go into off season, is is just try to get better. Um, so I think I'm doing a lot of the same things I did back then, just at a, at a higher level, and obviously against higher competition. Definitely, I noticed I've been seeing on on Instagram that you've been working out with the, I guess both of our former teammates from take or a teammate from Takeover, my boy Jalen Smith sticks for pe- people that know him. How's that been? You know, working out with another dude that that's going through the same process as you and, and experienced the same kind of things. Yeah, no, it's been great. You know, I, I definitely was. I was back here like obviously a couple months ago, and we were. I was still in the pre-draft kind of mindset, so we both were working out and trying to figure it out together. And, and obviously, we you know, um, you know, our takeover family was taking care of us, you know, working out with Keith and doing a lot of good things and, um, you know, also lifting um, together. So I think we both have just pushed each other and improved a lot um, by being in the gym with each other. You know, obviously when that, you know, when he's shooting the ball as well as he does, you know, it pushes me to try to, you know, make it as often as he does. And so we're always in competition with each other throughout workouts. And so that's, you know, something I think I improved um, – a lot in this summer is just going against him as much as I could. Also, how's uh, how's Coach McCaffrey as a coach? I know a lot of people. He seems really intense and all that stuff. How how is he though? You know him better than we all do. How's he? As yeah, a coach? no, it's it's actually you know it's kind of crazy. Everyone's like, you know, he screams and yells all the time. But usually it's it's mostly at the refs and, uh, and at our media. <laughs> it's not really like at us as much. You know, sometimes he does obviously blow up and and scream, but I'm kind of used to that. And, you know, obviously having Keith Stevens as a coach, you know, Bryce knows that as well. You know, we, we've had some crazy coaches in the past. So, you know, then them screaming and yelling doesn't really phase me. I think, um, especially now as a upperclassman, it, it definitely doesn't, but, um, you know, he's, he's awesome. He's hilarious off the court. You know, when we're in film sessions, he's just, he's just funny. You know, when we're watching other teams, just kind of roasting all the other players and, and it's kind of, you know, it's, it's definitely fun. Um, but, you know, when we get into, you know, game time, he's, he's really, um, you know, obviously focused and he's not going to accept us not playing as hard as we can or not, you know, running as hard as we can because obviously we try to get in transition as much as we can. So, um, yeah, he's intense, obviously, but, you know, a lot of that is directed towards the refs. And, um, you know, they definitely you know, take a – he takes it out on that. Hmm. Yeah, definitely. And for those of you all who are listening um, – Obviously, you mentioned our old coach, Keith Stevens, and that'll prepare you for just about anything you could possibly think of in life in regards to someone getting on you. So, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I remember Peach and when we were, were playing Mokan Elite, and uh, he got ejected, but he got one technical, and then he went over to ask the, the ref, like, what he did. 
and the ref like gave him another tech and he didn't even say nothing. So he just looked, they were trying to export him out of his gym. He was charging at the rest. And you know, mind you, it's Peach Jam. So we got like Coach K, Bill Self, like all of them in the in the front row. And he's walking out the gym and he picks up a trash can and throws it onto the court. And this trash goes everywhere. He was like suspended one game. Like, uh-huh. it, it was insane and big company. We had a close game, but they ended up beating us. But you know, and they wanted one Peach Jam. But yeah, that was that was definitely crazy. I remember when uh, Bryce, you were at a tournament, and I texted you or something, or asked you how the game went. I'm assuming you guys probably lost if this was the case, but I didn't get a text back, and I didn't really think anything of it. I figured he was just upset or whatever. And then uh, I asked my mom. I was like, "Yo, have you heard from Bryce?" She was like, "No." Uh, they took their phones for the rest of the weekend. I said, "Oh, nah, yeah, no, sir." We like yeah. take into a tournament that we give them our phones in a bag. And then you know, some people bring iPads to be able to get through it, but I ain't have yeah. an iPad, so you know it sucks, but uh, you know, we got them at back at the end of the weekend, but they just tried to keep us as locked in as possible, but it was a little crazy. No, yeah, we could go for days about team takeover stories, honestly. But yeah. I wanted to ask you give me your, your toughest place to play in the Big Ten. There's a couple places that come to mind. I say uh, Purdue is is probably you know one of the crazier ones. You know I haven't even I haven't beaten Purdue in my career, um, but you know their place is tough to play. I say Michigan State because it's a lot smaller than you think. It's kind of like everyone's kind of coming down on you. Um, Illinois is pretty tough, and Indiana. I say those are kind of the toughest places. But pretty much in the Big Ten, you know, besides like Northwestern. Um, every place it gets you know full and packed and no <laughs> I'm not trying to roast <laughs> go to Northwestern we get a lot of Iowa fans so that's why I say that we get like half Iowa fans so that makes it a little better but even like Nebraska even though they were like one of the worst teams in the league last year they they pack that place every every game so it's pretty tough anyway and obviously Maryland's crazy as well you can just keep going on and so it's a tough league playing on the road you kind of saw that last year with how many teams just couldn't couldn't win on the road at all. Yeah, we definitely noticed. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I guess shift uh, shifting gears here. You guys want to go NFL first or NBA? Whatever, man. Whatever. What you take? Stick. What you like first? Uh... We can talk about uh, Luca. You want to talk about the NFL? Is that cool? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, do you have a team? It? Do you have a team? Yeah, that's the first question. I I don't have a team. Um, my girlfriend's a Vikings fan, so I'm going to try to like wow. the Vikings a little. <laughs> You're at the right podcast. You're at the. Right <laughs> <podcast>. <laughs> so I, I have to try to go for that, but no, I never was a. I guess you can't call them the Redskins anymore, but I never was a Washington fan. Um, growing up, and, and I was born in California, so I, my dad was kind of a Niners fan for a little bit, but never really was with that either. So I think I'm gonna try to become a fan of the Vikings, but I usually just watch football for the fantasy. Um, That's pretty much it. Okay. Are you big into fantasy? Yeah, a little bit. I had the number one pick this year. Got McCaffrey. You got McCaffrey. Oh. Seems looking pretty decent. Okay. Who's Who's QB? Who's QB? We got Lamar. Uh, we picked him, like, or I'm sharing the team with one of my teammates, and we, and uh, we picked him like third, 
or it was like 20th overall, but it was like our third pick or something. So we got him. Oh, okay. Le'Veon Bell. Hoping he has a good year. We got a couple good players. Sound like y'all got the all-star team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's going to be a decent year, hopefully. What is your what is your fantasy football strategy? Because for me, I'm taking Lamar first overall when I get when I'm in my league. I'm taking him first round. I understand people like to take running backs, but after like McCaffrey and like if you're in a PPR league, Michael Thomas, I'm going straight to Lamar. Interesting. I mean, I don't know. I, my my kind of uh, strategy is just RB heavy, trying to go like. And I think three I've referenced before were all RBs. Um, I think. You know, I don't know. That's where most of the points are because there's a lot of good quarterbacks. And so, and obviously, you know, I think Lamar and Patrick Mahomes are kind of at a different level than a lot of other ones. But, you know, a, quarter, a good quarterback is good for 20 a week. So, or depending on the league you play in. But, so, I, I don't know. I think you go RB first because you need those points. Bryson Grant, what you guys, what y'all's draft strategy? I am so far out of the fantasy football game. It's not even funny. I played one year. It was freshman year actually with TJ and all them. Um, and I got, well, I, well, my team wasn't very good in the first place, but I got locked out of my account around week six and <laughs> couldn't get back into like week 11. So like I just, whatever was in there got played. And I of course lost all of those games yeah. ended up coming in last. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm out on fantasy football. I'm, I'm cool off of it. I haven't played fantasy I think since I was in like seventh or eighth grade, but <laughs> yeah. we just had also team one. Yeah, I like. Well, I'm a Patriots fan. Like, I don't know. I have a hard time like rooting for anybody else's success. So yeah, <laughs> I think Cam Newton's gonna go crazy this year. Damn right he is. That's what we're <laughs> hoping for. <laughs> um, do we think that NFL is gonna happen? It seems that there is. I guess. I mean, I haven't really heard anything about any positive tests. I haven't heard anything about any teams having trouble. I know that they're considering bubbling up uh, potentially. Um, I don't know if they have come to a conclusion or not, but do we think the NFL season is going to happen? Yeah, I think it's going to happen because I feel like they have the money uh, to make sure like all the precautions and everything goes the right way. And, you know, like you said, I haven't really heard anything about any cases in the NFL so far. And, you know, obviously they're trying to play college football, so I feel like you know, NFL will definitely be able to play. I think all professional sports are going to find a way to play. I think the you know, fall college sports are, are where it's going to kind of struggle a little bit. Yeah, no, I mean, I think if the NFL doesn't uh, happen, it's more than just, like, football is not being played. That's, like, the biggest sport in the country. So there's going to be a lot of repercussions for that, a lot too much money on the line for them to not get something going, so – yeah. Definitely think we're going to see football coming up in the next couple of weeks. Definitely. So, I guess in the biggest football news, Leonard Fournette got released. That's a big deal. Wow. How do you guys feel about that? That's crazy. Who's our other? Yeah, I don't even know who's who's running back for the – I mean, it probably doesn't matter at this point for them. That's really the only thing they had left. But <laughs> so it can't be anyone good that's already decent. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, man. That's just, I can't believe these people. There's little actual people out there that make millions of dollars that get paid to make decisions like that to cut franchise running backs and stuff like that. So it's beyond me. I don't know what was going, what the thought process is behind that. 
maybe in a year or two from now, we'll be looking back and say that the Jacksonville Jaguars were geniuses and we're all idiots, but we'll have to see what happens. Yeah. That's crazy. Where do you think he ends up, Nick? Where do you think he goes? Well, one, they took him fourth overall, so I feel like you can't cut somebody like that if you take him fourth. Yeah, but, at least trade him. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But I think the – I think so, like, my thing is, I don't think running backs are that important. I feel like you can get a cheap running back, and they can all kind of do the same thing. Unless he's like a – like, Fournette doesn't really catch passes, passes, right? And, like, like I think Kamara is, like, super valuable. But, like, other than that, like, I feel like you can just do what the Patriots do and just, like – Get like a like Sir. a fourth round draft pick and yeah. not pay him. Exactly. We literally have uh, my boys, Sweet Feet, James White, um, Rex Burkhead, and Damian Harris, who hasn't played a single snap yet. Uh, I don't think. And then Sony Michelle, who did have a pretty good rookie year. Not gonna lie. Um, but yeah, I'm all in on the whole running back by committee thing in the NFL. Now I will say. Mr. Kamara down in New Orleans. I heard trade potential trade on the trade block. I would be all for New England going in and getting that if they wanted to. But I like I, I, I like what we got. Yeah, I stand by that. I think running backs are kind of overvalued, if you ask me. And that's coming from a Vikings fan who who had who like we have a good running back. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't see the need for him out there. But I also feel feel that I feel like if you just like pay a lot of money for an offensive line and get a good quarterback, the rest can like kind of take care of itself. Yeah, I agree with that. That's an interesting take. But that's why I'm not getting paid to make any decisions. So <laughs> there you have it. All right, you guys want to go to the NBA? Let's hear it. I got some things I got to get off my chest about the NBA. So go ahead. First of all, I, I have to. I have to. Uh, First, before we get into that, I have some takes I need to walk back immediately. Last week, I argued that James Harden and Giannis were the two best players in the league. Wrong. My fault. (laughs) That's on me. (laughs) (laughs) Anybody listening who heard that, that was clearly a prank. (laughs) Um, That's not what I meant. So, yeah, I just want to walk those back uh, before we get into this conversation because – Really, that was that was wrong. Uh, yeah, that was bad. That was bad. <laughs> hmm. That's a hot take. Yeah, and on that note, uh, with our Chris Paul take last week too, that he was the most overrated point guard of this generation. <laughs> I might have to, I might have to uh, take that one back as well. We'll see what happens in this game seven tonight. But if it's anything like what happened two days ago, then we were completely wrong. Luca, do you have an NBA team, or do you just sort yeah. of like watching certain players, or what? I'm a LeBron, I'm a LeBron fan, so I, I migrate, you know, wherever he goes. Sorry. Again, we're on the right podcast, we love to hear that. <laughs> Miami Lakers, Lakers are looking good. I wasn't worried about the Blazers. I'm not really worried about the Rockets or the Thunder. I prefer the Thunder. But really, what's your thought process behind that? Because I feel like Russell is going to start playing well at some point, and I don't want it to be against us. And and they sh- and we don't defend a three that well, and they, like, live and die by the three, so it would just would be a little bit tougher for us if they get hot. But, no, obviously, they, they go through droughts, but they can't hit anything, and that, that's what makes them lose. Um, but, you know, I feel like we match up 
well with the Thunder. I don't know how. I don't know. I feel like Chris Paul is good, but I don't think he's that good to beat us. I feel like the Thunder also, like, obviously Chris Paul, uh, you know, my thoughts on him, Nick and Bryce. Um, but obviously he can pop off, but he's clearly out of his prime. And then after that, I mean, I'm a huge Shea Gill fan, but he's young. Um, they just don't have anybody that can is like, yo, like we need to go get one, go get us one. Um, so I sort of like the idea and I feel like as you watch them, they just go in these huge offensive droughts at time where they just have no answers to score the ball. I like AD versus Steven Adams a little bit better than versus Tucker because AD tries to do like a lot of guard stuff. And so I feel like he's better against a bigger guy because he can get past him and, you know, be able to do all his moves. And I feel like he's just going to be forced to play all inside against Tucker. But, you know, either way, I think you know, he'll be fine. Plays aggressive. Mm-hmm. Do, do you one of those takes you had to get off your chest? Um, so I'm just going to throw the first one out there. I said that I think the Miami Heat are going to come out of the East. And I'm just going to say they're, it's looking highly possible right now. Um, obviously, they've got – the Bucks are the Bucks. They are the one seed. Um, but I was telling Gates the other night, I I really don't see anybody that the Miami Heat couldn't beat right now. They just I just feel like they have so many options on offense. Um, they play really hard, play pretty good defense, um, played outstanding defense against the Bucks after the first quarter the other night. Um, so there's that. And then, of course, I got to shout out my two two boys, the two real best players in the NBA, which are Jamal Murray and uh, my boy right here behind us, the Joker. Uh, I know nobody's going to be able to see the poster, but uh, yeah. So again, I've been on this train for about a year and a half now, and everybody has totally dogged me in my takes. And now Jamal Murray looks like one of the best players in the NBA and the Joker is doing his, doing his thing as usual. Um, I need, I need more respect for Nikolai. Um, What he does on, now I will say, he is a zero on defense. I will say that, but what he's doing on the offensive end and how much offense he produces for that team yeah. is, is crazy. It's crazy. So I just had to make sure I, I get that off once again here on the podcast. Yeah, I'm a big Jokic guy as well. I think, you know, obviously I feel like he has a similar game to me, even though he's a much better passer, but you know, I love watching them play together and hopefully you know, they can make it tough on the Clippers, if not beat them. Cause uh, you know, I think we, that yeah, would be good for the Lakers, just to get them tired. But uh, you know, I don't know if they can beat the Clippers, though, with Kawhi. And you know, PG's been playing better since you know, the first couple games, and it's going to be tough to beat that team. <laughs> Are there uh, – what what big man or anybody, really, uh, do you like to watch? Who, who, who do you like to watch and try and, and learn things from? <laughs> yeah, Al Jefferson. <laughs> but, no, growing up, I used to watch, like, a lot of – old school players like Kareem and, and Jack Sigma and Hakeem Olajuwon. Those were kind of like my – Kevin McHale, kind of my favorites to watch just in terms of footwork. But now nowadays, love watching Jokic, uh, Joel Embiid. I think he's he's really, really good. Um, obviously, Anthony Davis, just what he does, and Nurkic. And even, you know, with the Kings, DeMarcus Cousins was one of my favorite players to watch as a big. I feel like, you know, he's kind of, he was kind of underrated in, over there because he was – he was dominating. You know, he was able to score from the inside to outside. You know, he was just with a bad team. And hopefully, hopefully he gets back to his former self. Um, 
because he was a problem. I agree. Back to the Bucks. I don't want to go back to them. There's probably all players in our conference conferences that we played against in our life that like they're people think they're really good, but like when you see them on the floor, you just feel comfortable. You don't feel stressed. I feel like that's Giannis in the playoffs. He's on the floor, and the Heat they don't feel stressed. They don't feel worried. They feel so comfortable. And I feel like in the fourth quarter, you can't give them the ball. And like like it's I said, tough. my take last week was clearly atrocious because he looked very bad. Yeah, it's tough, especially in the playoffs. Like once you obviously, you know, the regular season is what it is. But once you get to the playoffs and defensive intensity is picked up, um, I mean, they are just absolutely packing the lane on him. And it's hard to watch him when they're packing that lane and he can't really get downhill. Um, and, yeah, uh, he, he can't shoot. So and I'm not hating on him. I I think Giannis is really good. I'm not like uh, some of our teammates who just constantly hate on him. But it is tough to watch when he's not getting downhill and they pack that paint. And the worst part about it is, I think, too, is like he's their best player. And if they're down three at the end of the game, like you can't even give them the ball. So I think it's just – it's tough. It's tough. I think I like it better when they post them up a little bit more like they did against the Magic. He started, they started throwing them in the post and they really couldn't handle them down there. I think that's a little bit different look for him. It's just, I don't know, it's tough. They're packing and they're in transition, and that's where he's used to scoring most of his points. But uh, I don't know. I think Middleton's got to play a lot better for them to win. Um, you know, he, he has to be that second guy. But I, I like the Celtics at the East. Like, I think Celtics Heat series for the, for the you know, uh, Eastern Conference Finals. Jason Tatum. You know, I, I don't love watching them play, but I, I think they're really good. You know, I'm not a big Mark, Marcus Smart fan, but you got to respect him. You know, he he does what it takes to win, and obviously Jason Tatum is, is playing on a different level and kind of emerging one of the best, you know, young players in the NBA. Yeah, Bryce, that's your, that's your team. Hey, man, you know, over here at Butler, we live and die by uh, Brad Stevens and them, so. Mm-hmm. But, nah, definitely, they've been looking good. I think Jason Tatum, he's He's making that jump, uh, building on top of his season already before I got, I guess, the first half of the season. But And in Gordon's absence, he's looked very willing and able to carry that role scoring-wise and, and doing everything else. So. Yeah. Same with Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown's been hooping, too. Yeah. They're good. They're really good. I, I actually picked the Raptors in that series, another terrible take. And <laughs> now they might get swept. Um <laughs> But yeah, I feel like the Raptors are a big regular season team from what I'm from what I'm gathering. And when the when the pressure gets up there, I feel like they just don't have enough. Like the first, like if you're picking teams between the Celtics and the Raptors, how many players are you taking before you get to one of the Raptors players? Probably three, right? No, I hear you on that. Yeah, it's close. Yeah, you definitely take Jason and 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 uh, Jalen Brown before pretty much anybody. I think Siak was really good, but. I'll probably take Kemba over over Pascal at this point. Yeah, it's close. Yeah, I haven't watched I haven't watched either one of those games. Uh, have the Raptors just? I know uh, Pascal hasn't played great. What what else is going on there? Have the Raptors just disappeared, or what's what's the vibe? I don't know. I just don't. I don't know. I don't think they have enough. This team, even though Fresno Elite's pretty good, and uh, you know, obviously Kyle Lowry can be good. Um, not the biggest fan of Kyle Lowry, but he plays hard. Um, but, you know, I, I don't know. I think Pascal's not enough of a superstar to, like, really 
you know, kind of put it, put the team on his back, even though they're a really, really good team. I think they're a team that kind of sucks to play against because they just you know, move the ball so well and they shoot it well. And, you know, but I think they're, you know, a team that doesn't have the talent to be you know, when they face a team with, you know, a lot of guys, with, you know, like the Celtics. Yeah, especially if Marcus Smart's going to make five threes in the fourth quarter. That was wild. <laughs> My boy, 52 states, 52 dates. Um, what was I going to say? I saw – I meant to save it or screenshot it. Uh, I saw somebody tweet. They were like, uh, the Celtics getting Marcus Smart for 52 mil or whatever it was uh, is an absolute bargain. And I couldn't – I mean, that was probably the best tweet I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> Finally, somebody's realizing – you saw him get into the Baja, too. Hey, pump fake, one dribble <laughs> to the side, and one. Like, come on, bro. Stop playing with my mans. <laughs> as, uh, so you, as wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to mark a smart on our team right now, Nick? Come on now. I guess. I just He's one of those guys <laughs> that, like, like, look, I know you probably have – when you play against guys, he's one of those guys when, when he scores, you just, like, sigh. You're like, oh, my God. Like, I can't believe he scored. And, like, I feel like <laughs> – yeah, and he just plays dumb hard. You know, he's he's definitely he's definitely one of those guys for sure. Yeah, he's a sigh when he scores type dude. Yes, when he was making threes, I say it's like I don't know. I think it's like you kind of let him shoot a little bit. It's when like that's what we want to do. Like roster and like who was out there. I feel like he's the guy. Where like we're fine with him shooting that, that shot. He hits five. He hits five. He's kind of one of those on a scout. All right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> okay. Like I said, obviously a great player, but when he's if when he's making threes, you're like, all right, they got it today. They yeah, it. he's the guy you want on your team to you know win big games because he's gonna make you know a lot of little plays that can affect and impact you know the course of the game. That's what I'm saying. Like I think if we have a guy, if we have a the college version of Marcus Smart on our team, we win a couple more games this year. Well, that's it. Definitely, anybody does. <laughs> Speaking of winning games uh, here for the Richmond Spiders, uh, Luca, me and Nick sort of just have to ask you, like, what are your thoughts on <laughs> Richmond Spiders by default being Big Ten champs since we beat uh, Wisconsin <laughs> up in New York? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I mean, it took Wisconsin like half a year to really – put it on <laughs> yeah all, who, the, who was the big fella that like started started playing around christmas potter i think his name is yeah potter started playing i think yeah we didn't have to mess around with him i don't know why but you know kobe king left and you know they kind of turned into a whole different team um even though he was a really good player and was kind of he was their leading scorer in big 10 play and i think we were we played them the first time they played without him and we beat them at our place Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like a gross kind of game uh, where everyone was missing a lot of shots. But, you know, we beat them, and then they just you know, won like 11 straight, which was, you know, the most unexpected thing, you know, that happened in the Big Ten because, you know, no one was really crazy worried about them. You know, we knew we, they had a lot of guys back. Um, but, you know, they're, they're just a team you don't really like to play against because they just slow the game down. And, and, you know, it's always like, you know, six of a 15 game kind of, you know, thing where everyone's, you know, shooting not really that efficient and it just, you know, kind of goes down to the wire. And um, so, you know, that's a tough matchup. You know, I watched that game when y'all beat them. Y'all both just hooping. All right. Do you guys want to go to the to the last part? Let's do it. 
All right. So this week for our top three, we're going to do our top three guys we want, we want with the ball in their hands at the end of the game, regardless of sport. So if it's the last five minutes, whatever, if it's the last play, these are the type of guys you want with the ball in their hands. Um, not Carson Wentz, obviously. He won't be on the list. All right, so I'm not a, I'm not a Patriots fan, but I would say Tom Brady. You know, obviously, watching him, you know, oh, man, like to make the right play at the end of the game. You know, obviously Michael Jordan. You know, one of the most clutch players of all time. And for me, as a LeBron fan, I got to say LeBron, just because no matter what, he's going to make the best play possible. You know, whether that's kicking it out or scoring it himself, he's just going to make the right play and. and and he's unselfish in those moments as well. So I think he's always, you know, people hate on him, you know, a lot for, you know, being unclutched. And I think he has had moments like that, especially in the 2011 Mavericks series. But since then, I feel like he's been one of the guys that is always, a, a, you know, you can go to him at, at the end of the game when the ball is going to be in his, in his hand. Love it. Love it. All right. Bryce, you just want to go with your three then? I'll go my number one hot take right here. Oh, God. Say something down. Celtics Isaiah Thomas. That's my guy. Right, that, yeah, that, that was a great pick. That was a great you pick. Now, you can't say fourth quarter that man wouldn't absolutely take over. Please don't think of the Isaiah Thomas that we see nowadays, what we don't see nowadays because he doesn't play much. But fourth quarter Isaiah Thomas, Celtics in his prime. You see him making shots run down. This is my time. There's no other person I want with the ball in his hands with a game on the line. Number two, I'm going to go Tom Brady. Obviously, clutch situation, two-minute drills. He's the king of it. Um, you've seen it on the biggest stage. You've seen it in Super Bowls. You've seen it in the regular season. doesn't matter. He'll get it done. Um, my third one, I'm going to go you guys go. I'm gonna come back. I'm gonna come back with the third one. I need to think about this one for a second. Wait, first, first, Luca, LeBron, or, or Jordan? LeBron. Good answer. Great answer. Yeah. <laughs> um, are but overall, it's just you know, overall basketball player who does more things on the court like LeBron does, and has has done it for a longer time and more consistent. Okay. Here we go. Um. So my three. Uh, obviously, number one, my boy, TB12, Tom Brady. Done it year in, year out for what feels like a trillion years now. Um, always makes the right play, always makes the right pass. Not afraid to check down, not afraid to call an audible and run if that's what you have to do. I feel like all his decisions are made um, to win games, and that's just what it comes down to. So, TB12. Number one. Um, number two, doesn't have a ball in his hand, but he has a bat in his hand. Shout out to my man, Big Poppy Ortiz, the clutchest hitter in the history of baseball. Uh, no person you'd rather want at the plate. Um, and third, third, I'm trying to think of a basketball one. Mm, I'd probably, yeah, I'm going to just go with my man, LeBron. Uh, just always makes the right play, like he said. Um, I And it really bothers me that, like, people will be like, oh, yeah, why didn't he shoot that? Well, he had three people on him and skipped it all the way to the corners for a wide-open three. I mean, there's really 
I don't know. He gets a lot of backlash, obviously, for it and everything. Um, but I've always been a huge fan of him at the end of games. Uh, Talk to me, you, stick work. First, what would you guys? Uh, well, I forgot to ask you guys this. What was your mind? What was? What were your thought process? Game one, of the twenty eighteen NBA Finals, when LeBron had fifty, and George Hill missed a free throw, and Jr. doesn't shoot the ball. What, what, what was your head at? It was. Uh, it was. I was at an Applebee's watching the game, and there was this fan, like a Warriors fan, and so like he was screaming the whole time, the whole game, and then LeBron starts going like absolutely crazy in the fourth. So I, I'm getting hyped, and we're, I'm like kind of yelling, but like wanting him to hear. It. And then I, I, I see him make a play, and George shows at the free line, he misses it, and I watched, I watched Jr. and I was just, I don't even know, I was so mad in that moment. I just, I couldn't understand it. Like I feel like. You know, everyone in that moment would know what was going on. But, you know, I, I mean, I can't really knock Jr. He was so big for us in those years in Cleveland, especially when the finals we won it. You know, he obviously made that pretty big mistake in that moment. But, you know, that was that was going to be a tough series for us to win, no matter what. Even if we had got that game, you know, we just weren't weren't as good as them. You know, we had one really good player. You know, Kevin Love wasn't at his best. He wasn't playing that well, and. and you know, they had KD, Steph Curry, you know, Clay Thompson, all of them. So I think even it, it would have been nice for him to win that game, especially because he had 50 plus. Um, but it was, you know, it still to this day one of my favorite performances by LeBron, even though we lost. Yeah, I think my first thought was typical, um, just <laughs> typical, typical everything. Uh, I feel like we've seen a lot of. A lot of lackluster performances out of LeBron's teammates, but um, yeah, I don't know. Like like Luca said, it was sort of like that was going to be a tough one to win regardless. But at least if you go in there and take care of business like you're supposed to at the end of the game and somehow come out with a win, at least you have life, momentum. Like there's like, oh, okay, we're up one nothing. Like worst come to worst, we're going back home tied one one. Like that's, it just changes the whole vibe of the series so but yeah LeBron doesn't punch his punch the wall or whatever he did to like you know, yeah as a Lakers fan I'm worried that KCP is going to have some numbers like that against the Clippers <laughs> <laughs> no I feel like it's better this year that we're not like there's no crowds because I feel like the finals or the, mm-hmm. you know, the even Eastern Conference or Western Conference finals is like there's nobody going to be in the gym so if like it takes a lot of the pressure off that would be like in a normal finals because I was gonna I, that was one of the things I was worried about especially like Kuzma and like like a couple guys who just haven't been there before but you know I I, I think it'll be fine just because they're you know you're you don't it doesn't really feel like you're gonna play in the finals when there's like no one in the stands because I remember those you know, Golden State like Cavalier series like I would just I was as nervous as and I was just watching you know I can imagine playing in those games so. And you know, obviously, we've all played in high-pressure games before, so it's it's a uh, it's a little bit different when there's no one out there. Uh, how would you feel if we didn't have fans this year? It seems like that's likely. Uh, I think it would, you know, obviously, as a senior, you know, that would kind of suck. But I think you know, I want to do whatever it takes to you know for us to have a full season and to be able to play as many games as we can. You know, I don't want the season to be cut short at all. Um, so I think you know. If we have to go no fans and we get more games, I'm fine with that. And for me, I, individually, I always like – I approach, you know, every time I'm playing basketball with the same intensity. So I don't need the crowd to kind of hype me up. And especially in the Big Ten, 
you know, for us to be, you know, somewhat, you know, beneficial to not have to go and play at these places. That's just, you know, kind of almost really, really hard to win at. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it's a good and bad thing, but I, I feel like me individually, I, I think I would benefit from it. All right. So my top three, one, I'm going to go a little bit different here. I'm going to go with Tiger Woods. I feel like if, if we're on the 18 and I need a, need a big, need a big hole, I need a birdie. I feel like he's good for it. He's going to bring out, you know, Sunday at the Sunday in Augusta. I feel like he's going to get it done. Number two, this is going to be a hot take. I feel like Kawhi. A lot of people have said LeBron, so I'm going to go Kawhi here. I feel like Kawhi is going to make a big play for us. Bryce, you don't like that one? I mean, he's done it before, but, like, I don't know if we're putting in Kawhi. We're putting him, we're putting him in our, in our put in Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah <laughs> <laughs> Thomas. Hey, yeah, Bryce, as much as, I love, as much as I love that pick out of you, you did pick someone who's currently not in the NBA. <laughs> Oh, Isaiah Thomas is a fourth quarter magician. All right. But, yeah, go ahead with your Kawhi. Go ahead. Continue. I feel like Kawhi, you saw the Raptors run on one leg. And he's the finals MVP at the Spurs. Um, that shot against Philly is one of the wildest shots I've ever seen. Um, and as you see now with the Raptors team, they really need him badly because they're about to get swept out the playoffs. So um, Kawhi is my number two. And then last – I'm going to go – I was going to go another hot take. Honorable mention, Kirk Cousins. We all saw that last drive against the Saints. Um, not too many quarterbacks in the NFL can do something like that. <laughs> <laughs> you guys saw it. Uh, the pass to Adam Thielen and then the, the corner pocket to Kyle Rudolph. Stuff of legends. Um, but my last one, I'm going to go with Kobe. I feel like he is pretty guaranteed to make some big shots. Um, but I don't mention if we're going to go with current athletes, it's Kirk Cousins because uh, recent resume and he did it against Drew Brees, overrated as we talked about. Um, so yeah, there's that. Bryce, you got one more? Yeah, you took my last one with Kobe right there. I think that's a certified dude, no matter who you ask, across all all sports fans, or basketball at least. That he's a dude you want with the ball in his hands coming down. He'll make a shot, tough ones. So cool. Well, that was our list, guys. Um, Luca, appreciate you coming on. I know you got a busy schedule, a lot going on, so I appreciate you taking some time out. Thank you for having me. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, it's episode six. Everybody check it out. Um, but, yeah, catch y'all boys later. So appreciate it, Luca. Everybody hit me up. Continue to hit me up if you want to get on, whatever. Um, I know a couple people have, uh, have DM'd me, whatever it may be, so – we're going to definitely try and figure something out for whoever wants to come on. So, but yeah, again, thank you, Luca. And, uh, we're, we'll be watching and we're hoping for all the best for you. Yeah, good luck to all of yeah, you. Man. Hope you guys have a great year. Yeah, man. Pre- appreciate you guys. Yeah. All right.